This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? It is high noon on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. I am Wesley Euler flying solo, cousins. On this Thursday afternoon. So if you know, you know. If you're a regular around here on this program, you know how we do things when I'm in here solo. We play a little audio. We'll hear a little bit from Roger Jones and Kenny Pickett at some point. We'll catch up with some of our friends. And of course, I want your questions, your comments, your concerns. And your reactions, best way to get involved with me. You can get at me on Twitter, on X, on whatever the heck we're calling it this week. The website, the social media platform, formerly known for the tweets. Uh, you can find me there, at Wesley Euler is where you can get involved. That's the easiest, most instant way. Maybe we'll open up the phone lines a little bit later as well. We'll see what's crack a up in here on this Thursday afternoon. We're going to do a little stranger stats. We're going to, like I said, catch up with some friends, all those good things. But we start today with a little bit of a global conversation. Yes, why not jump right into it? A little best of the West here on a Thursday. If you've been rocking and rolling with us, with this show, with me through the years, you know what best of the West is. But for those who might just need a quick refresher or a quick update, simple concept. I just power rank the best teams in the NFL. That's all it is. But everybody does power rankings, right? So we just call it best of the West to dress it up a little bit. And maybe the one thing that we do differently than others is we start at the top of the list. No building the suspense right here. We start with the valedictorian. And once again, I still have the San Francisco 49ers at the top of my power rankings here in what is now, what, the week seven edition of these NFL power rankings, right? It's week seven, right? Yes. Uh, I still got the Niners number one. Folks, I realize that they just lost to the Browns. I saw it. I was watching it. The Steelers weren't playing. I was flipping back and forth between that game and the, uh, the Bengals and the Seahawks game. But despite Brock Purdy playing his worst game of the year by far, Despite losing Debo Samuel to injury, despite losing Christian McCaffrey to injury, despite losing Trent Williams as well, too, for a period of time, they still had a, a you know, relatively chip shot field goal to win the game. I think it was 42 yards away, something like that. I realize that's not technically a chip shot field goal, but with today's NFL kickers, it's anything less than 50 yards feels almost automatic with NFL kickers nowadays. Despite everything going against them, despite all those injuries, uh, despite Brandon Ayuk dropping uh, a touchdown at the end of the game, I mean, all they had to do was, was make a 40-some yard field goal and they would have gotten out of there in Cleveland with a win, despite all those mistakes, despite all those injuries, despite Brock Purdy not playing well, that's still a really good football team. One that I think, you know, if the playoffs started this weekend, I would still have favored to win the Super Bowl, I guess, depending on some of those injuries, right? Still waiting for, it looks like Trent Williams is okay. Still waiting for some more concrete updates on Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, but I still have the Niners at number one on my power rankings. A little change after that, though. Number two, I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. They've won five straight. I realize all those wins haven't been pretty, but it's the National Football League, and anytime you win five straight, you're doing something right. Um, 
you know, they they have really struggled in the fourth quarter this season. All their points in the fourth quarter have been field goals, haven't scored a fourth quarter touchdown all year. But again, this is kind of what the Chiefs do. And this is supposed to be a week-to-week power rankings, right? I'm not supposed to project here a bunch, but I still think this Chiefs team is one on the very short list of the still the best two or three teams in the National Football League, despite not looking at their sparkling best. And I do think we're going to look up, you know, around Thanksgiving, Christmas, between that time and say, oh, dang, here come the Chiefs. But despite all that, I've still got them at number two overall in the NFL with that 5-1 and one record. Now, a couple teams with a 5-1 and one record, a little moving and shaking at the third spot as well, too. I've got the Miami Dolphins at number three right now, their highest appearance of the season, and it's going to be a lot of fun this Sunday night in prime time. Uh, lucky you guys, you'll get to watch it. I'll be on a plane flying back from Los Angeles, but the Dolphins and the Eagles, two good 5-1 and one teams, a little separation Sunday on uh, Sunday night football this week to see who can move the six and one and maybe stay at the forefront of these conversations. Um, but Miami's five and one, their only loss is on the road at Buffalo. That's a pretty solid loss. I mean, they're just blowing teams out almost like, you know, like you see Georgia and Alabama and Ohio state and some of these teams do in college. Um, you know, they won 42 to seven this past weekend. Uh, yes. They, you know, took a beating from the bills in week four, but other than that, I mean, it has been pretty smooth sailing. Uh, Tyreek Hill is flying. All of a sudden, it looks like they're getting Jalen Ramsey back, if not this week, pretty darn soon. That's a darn good football team down there in Miami. I've got the Dolphins at number three on my power rankings. Also making their highest appearance of the season, the Detroit Lions. How about that? Now, David Montgomery, their workhorse running back, went down against Tampa Bay this past weekend, but they do have Jameer Gibbs, who was their first-round draft pick out of Alabama, so I think they'll be okay there. Obviously, they're an offense that is completely predicated upon that run game with you know with Jared Goff kind of being the, the caretaker, playmaker there, if you will. Um, Montgomery's a big loss, but I think that offense is still – they've got enough in Jameer Gibbs – to be able to keep that run game humming. Their defense is legit. They got a solid offensive line, some playmakers there as well, too. It's the best time to be a Lions fan right now that it has been in 30 years. And again, their highest spot of the season. I've got Detroit at number four. Number five, the final of the five and one teams, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're five and one. And you know, I, I mentioned how the Chiefs haven't necessarily looked at their best, but man, the Eagles have looked far from their best despite being five and one uh, and just really didn't look good. You know, it it felt like the Eagles had a loss coming and it finally happened against the Jets this past week. Maybe that's good for them heading into this big showdown against the Dolphins. Maybe they needed a little bit of a wake up call before a big one on, on Sunday night, but I still think the Eagles are really good. I still think they're in the upper echelon of the NFL, but Jalen hurts. Hasn't looked like himself. Lane Johnson is, is, is banged up. Who knows how big of a deal that is going to be. Um, their offensive line didn't look like it's typical dominant self that we've seen over the last few years. Uh, Devonte Smith, not playing great. Like I said, Jalen hurt really other than AJ Brown. I think that offense right now is, is struggling. They're still stout on defense. Good in the secondary, uh, good up front in the box, good football team. At five and one, obviously, there's a reason for that, but they're not at their sparkling best either. I've got Philly down to number five after just being, well, I guess only number three on my list last week, so that's not a massive drop. But the Eagles 
at number five. And then this is where it starts to get a little bit more difficult. But I think the sixth and seventh teams, you can argue about the order that you have them. I'm going to do the thing that I know a lot of people hate. And I've even been guilty of this as well, too. Like, you see the college football rankings sometimes, right? And you'll see USC is ranked a couple spots ahead of Utah, but Utah beat USC head-to-head. And you're like, wait, how the heck does that happen? Right? You know what I'm talking about. Uh, Texas is ranked ahead of Oklahoma. And you're like, wait a second, Oklahoma beat Texas. How's that possible? I'm going to do that thing right now. I've got the Bills at six and the Jacks Jags at seven. And, yes, I realize that the Jaguars just two weeks ago beat the Bills across the pond over there in Mary O. London. But if they were playing again this weekend on a neutral field, I would have the Bills as favorites. I think the Bills are slightly better despite that head-to-head result. I've got the Bills at six, the Jags at seven, both of those teams four and two. The Bills, you know, they didn't look great against the Giants um, this past weekend. But you know what? It's the NFL. This is not, you know, this is not Ohio State playing Bowling Green or Akron or something like that. It's the National Football League, and it was a desperate Giants team with a roster and a coaching staff that is familiar with the Bills there. Um, they found a way to win. Down 9 nothing at halftime, came back, found a way to win. Um, or was it 6 nothing at halftime? Regardless, whatever it was, um, at 4-2, and two, the Bills are another team that, they have another level they can get to. I think we've seen it in, in spurts. They need to get a little bit healthier on the defense. Matt Milano, big loss. Tredavis White, big loss. But they do have Von Miller back in the fold now as well, too. I've got the Bills at six. The Jags at seven. Again, those four and two teams. Uh, Trevor Lawrence banging up his knee. Uh, they play tonight against New Orleans. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Trevor Lawrence because it's a short week. He's their franchise. You ain't going anywhere without that guy. Is he okay to play tonight? Um would he be all right if it was on Sunday? But maybe since it's on a Thursday, they're going to sit him down. I'm not sure. Uh, but I like what this Jags team has cooking. Um, you know, they, they, they're they a little banged up right now. But none of those seem to be long-term concerns. I mean, they lost two of their offensive linemen in that, uh, that win against the Colts this past weekend. Zay Jones is banged up. Walker Little is banged up. Going to be a big night tonight for Travis Etienne which is good for me because I got him on my fantasy football team. Did just give him 30 carries and a bio, 22 carries and eight targets out of the backfield. Jacksonville, it's weird because it feels like they've had a relatively slow start to the season, but they're also four and two. And that's good enough for me to have them at number seven on my list. Also four and two, and a team that I think is maybe the hardest to evaluate in the NFL at this point is the Dallas Cowboys. They look really good in some aspects. They look really putrid in some aspects. I do think the defense is good, led by Micah Parsons, obviously, who's a stud. Stephon Gilmore playing at a really high level. I don't trust – the Dak Prescott conundrum is a weird one to me because I don't trust him, but I think he's okay. (laughs) I don't think he's an elite quarterback, but I think he can, you know, be in that next kind of tier conversation. He makes some really head-scratching decisions and plays and, and, and moments, though, doesn't he? But you go out to L.A. there against the Chargers, good Chargers team. They were two, you know, two desperate teams that are kind of looking for a momentum swing opportunity there on Monday Night Football, and the Cowboys are able to come out with the W. Um, again, they're a hard team to kind of figure out, but I think this is about the right spot for them. Eighth on my list as they sit at four and two. Then this is where the list gets really difficult. After this, I have no idea where to go, but I got the Ravens at number nine. 
They're four and two as well. I I'm you know, I'm I'm biased because of what I saw in Pittsburgh, and that was a Ravens team that looked really good in the first quarter against the Steelers and looked like they might score 30 points and win comfortably and then just fell apart, and TJ and Highsmith started having their way, and uh, Lamar couldn't get anything done, and his receivers weren't helping him with a couple huge drops. Most drops a team has had in an NFL game since 2014 or something like that was the statistic, or second most drops in a game, you know, in the past decade, something like that. It was... A weird unraveling for Baltimore after a successful first quarter against the Steelers. I still think it's a good team, though, uh, with a lot of weapons on offense and a solid quarterback and a better offensive line than what T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith were able to reduce them to. And a, a solid defense. not Certainly not the Ravens' defense of yore. Uh, they just don't have the pass rushers. But I think in the secondary... They're better than what they showed against the Steelers. Marlon Humphrey, you know, that was his first game back from injury. He looks a little more comfortable now with some time. They're really good in the middle of that defense with with Smith and Queen. I got Baltimore. Baltimore? At number nine on my list. And then it's it's really difficult. Like, am I going to go with the Browns here? Am I going to go with the Seahawks here? Am I going to go with the Bucks here? Am I going to go with the Steelers here? A whole slew of three and two teams that I could choose. This is probably where I'll really make people angry. I'm going to go with the 3-3 three and three Cincinnati Bengals, though. They looked like gangbusters to start that game against Seattle. Um, their pass rush came alive, right? Uh, Sam Hubbard looked great. Jermaine Pratt looked great. All of a sudden, that secondary, which lost some key contributors in the offense, seems like they have started to get it figured out. Uh, Seattle made it into the red zone five times against Cincinnati this past weekend, and they only scored 10 points. I mean, Cincinnati has clawed, has limped to this bye week, and they're still 3-3. Three and three. I, I I think they just started to turn things around with how we saw that offense look in the first half and with what that defense was able to do to Seattle. I mean, they put the clamps on Kenneth Walker. They put the clamps on Geno Smith. Again, t- at five trips to the red zone for the Seahawks, just 10 points out of that. That's impressive. As much as it pains me, I think, you know, with their bye week here, once we get to the end of October, once we get close to Halloween, I do think we're going to see a different Bengals team. I think they're starting to figure it out, unfortunately, and that is why I have them at number 10 on my best of the West power rankings. To recap real quick for you, if you might have missed it or just want to double-check your notes, number one, I still got the Niners. Number two, the Chiefs. Three, Dolphins. Four, Lions. Five, Eagles. And then you get into some four and two teams. I got the Bills at six, the Jags at seven, the Cowboys at eight, the Ravens at nine, and then the three and three Cincinnati Bungies as the 10th and final team rounding out this week's edition of the Best of the West. You know where to get at me if you agree, disagree, have any thoughts on that. Get those questions rolling in today. A couple tweets already. You guys know when I'm solo here. Well, as CR would say, I'm never by myself, right? I always got Steeler Nation rocking with me, so I want to hear from you, Steeler Nation. We'll get into that. We'll hear a little bit from Broderick Jones, talk about him and some of that offensive line stuff on the other side as well, too. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. 
All eyes on the Steelers this weekend. I mean, hey, it's always that case, right? It's a five-star matchup because we in it. But out in L.A. against the Rams, Pittsburgh, Los Angeles. And, you know, the eyes of Steeler Nation over this bye week, we've there's been a couple people that we've discussed more than others, right? Some of those guys that are returning from injuries and what their return could mean to the offense. One of those guys is Deontay Johnson. We've talked a lot about this offensive line some injury concerns there which way would you go some things with Dan Moore some things with Broderick Jones the rookie as well too well obviously both of those guys uh Deontay Johnson and Broderick Jones a lot of questions a lot of eyeballs on them Deontay going to return by all indications and what will that mean for the offense what will that mean for Kenny Pickett and George Pickens and the trickle-down effect and all those things. Broderick Jones as well, too. After a solid performance against the Ravens, Dan Moore Jr. Looks like he could be available. What's that division of labor look like? How does Broderick Jones feel about all of that? Well, both of those guys uh, taking time yesterday to kind of catch up with the media, update for Deontay where he's at on his health, for Broderick just where he's kind of at in this process of his rookie season. So here's Deontay Johnson first, and then Broderick Jones uh, talking about the bye week and this upcoming game against the Rams. Yeah. I'm getting ready for practice today right now as we speak. So I'm, saying, I'm looking forward to getting out there, you know what I'm saying, getting back in the offense, getting things going. Uh, like I said, it's been a long process, but I'm, uh, like I said, I took it one day at a time, and uh, I'm looking forward to today. I went home for a little bit. I just did the rest of my uh, little stuff I needed to do. Um, and uh, like I said, I'm ready for today. I'm ready to put it on film. I wasn't here Monday. I had some. I got some. Had some stuff going on, but. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. You know what I'm saying, like I said, it's been a long process. You know what I'm saying, fighting to get back, uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to show them that I'm ready for uh, Sunday. The things that you have on your leg, what are? Do they like loosen up the hamstrings? Uh, what do they kind of do? It's called a compact machine, so I'm like activating all three muscle fibers right now before I go out there and practice. So right now, before I stretch and stuff like that. So you know what I'm saying, any stuff down the line is on prevention. So. Is that something you've always done, or is it new to try to, you know, limit injuries right now? Uh, it's something I've always done. You know, I just never really brought it around the facility. I just kind of do my own stuff. But, like I said, I'm kind of more on top of things now because, you know what I'm saying, I don't want to have this little situation again. But whatever it is, like, I'm just doing everything I can to just be be ready. <laughs> how do you think you coming back impacts George, and how would you describe your guys' relationship? Uh, impacts him a lot. You take a lot off his plate. I'm saying it allows us to get back to doing what we do best, which is playing football and making plays. And uh, George gonna be George out there. <laughs> you know, me and me and him want to feel at the same time. We feed off each other. Uh, like I said, when uh, he make a play, I make a play. So I love I love that, and um, I love when he make a play. That gets me hyped. Same as vice versa. So and that same way, uh, all the other guys like we love being on the field at the same time because you know what I'm saying we work together each and every day. We see each other every day. You know what I'm saying? Why not? You know what I'm saying? Cheer each other on and go out there and get, put our best on, on the field. Since you are a hell yeah to Sunday, what do you feel like is going to be the biggest challenge against the Rams? Uh, against the Rams? Um, really, you just got to start fast. Like I said, that's been our main focus, just starting fast. You know what I'm saying? We don't come out and start fast. We're going to be behind, play behind the sticks and stuff like that. It's going to be a tough, tough, long game. But as long as we come out there and start fast, and 
be out front of everything, uh, we'll be fine. Just just can't overthink and try to do stuff that we're not used to doing. That's all it is. Do you Angie, how do you help the offense start fast? What do you kind of add that maybe has been missing the last you know, five weeks? Uh, that spark, you know what I'm saying? Like from a route running standpoint, um, sorry, me being able to get open uh, easily, uh, just giving that, that uh, comfort for Kenny out there, knowing that he can rely on his guys and knowing who's, who's going to be open um, each down the distance or whatnot. But like I said, it gives the offense a, a spark. Uh, we can play fast knowing Kenny, he's comfortable, got his guys back. He don't got to worry about who he's unsure about or whatever like that. So just him, like I say, us playing as one and moving faster is the main thing. Two more. How often is Kenny in the receivers' meeting rooms, and what's he like when you guys are all talking together, going over plans? Uh, they pop in, in and out. Uh, Kenny, uh, quarterback specifically in general, uh, but we mostly catch up during uh, team offensive unit or whatnot. But we don't really meet like that. On set for Fridays, we meet as a unit, the QBs and the receivers. Um, that's pretty much it. But he'll probably give us like his his few pointers on what he thinks we should do on certain players or where we should, should expect the ball at. Uh, certain times, whatnot, little stuff like that. Is there something that you've noticed or a difference you've noticed in Kenny watching on the sideline through the first five games that maybe wasn't there a year ago or something he's doing differently? I would say his, his, from his leadership, you know what I'm saying, he's more vocal. Uh, last year he was trying to get his, get his feet wet, you know what I'm saying, get stuff under his belt. Now, now he's comfortable, he's been out there, he's seen things, so now he he, he's been a more of a leader, and uh, you, you want that from your quarterback, and uh, that, that makes you want to play harder for him. And, you know what I'm saying? Once you got a quarterback like that, anything can happen out there. <laughs> so that's what it is. Roderick, after you were able to kind of digest the tape from your start against the Ravens, what kind of feedback were you able to, to get, and you know, what's your overall assessment? Um, I feel like I had a solid game. Uh, as always, you know, um, always something you can continue to work on and be better at, you know, just, just the, the way the game is. Um, but overall, I feel like I played well. Uh, we still don't know yet to this point, um, you know. Uh, it's the same way as always. Um, you know, prepare for the worst, always plan, you know, just be ready whenever your name is called. What's your learning style like? Do you feel like you're somebody that learns better by being on the field and getting those reps, or are you a better classroom learner? What kind of works best? I think it's both. I think it's both. Just being able to sit in meetings and listen, and you know, figure out what it is that what we're trying to get done on the offense, and then being able to go out there like in practice, um, getting the physical reps at it, and you know, just. The repetition of it, you know, things like that. So, how beneficial was this bye week for not just yourself but also the offense and kind of working on tinkering what you need to tinker? Uh, I don't even think it was more so that, you know, I think it was just getting, you know, a healthy squad back. Um, getting a lot, we got a lot of people back this week, you know, which is great for us. Um, so I feel like that was the main focus for, you know, within the the whole offense and the defense because you know we had a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball so just being able to get those guys back is a big plus. Broderick, what did that first start do for your confidence? Uh, anything it would as <laughs> as far as I can think of really nothing for real um, you know because I treat every week the same I go in every week like because you never know like I said like you're always one play away so you know you just got to treat every week the same.
How did you spend your bye week? Did you stay here, go home? What did you kind of do? I stayed here a little bit. I went home, saw my grandparents, um, came back, you know, so wasn't too much going on. Robert, what's the biggest coaching for that you're hearing right now when you guys are going over film and saying, like, hey, you're doing this great, but maybe you can work on this a little bit? Um, that's a hard question. Let me get back to you on that one. Have you been told by Pat or by anyone else, this is what you got to do before you put you in there full time? Do you know what, what you have to work on before you can get in there? No, it, it, that, that's never like the, the issue at hand. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm a rookie coming in. You know, Dan's been here a lot longer than me. Um, he knows, like, he's been in the game longer than me at, at this level. So, you know, that's really all it is to it. Um, just got to continue to work. You know, I like I like being able to work with Dan. You know, he teaches me different things. Um, so just being able to sit back and watch him and learn from him is a big plus. Roderick, what would, what would be your reaction if they decided to go back to Dan and tackle? Well, I don't know, reaction. It's the same as always. You know, continue to get better. That's always my mindset. Mike, Mike Tomlin has talked about growth and development. How do you feel you have grown and developed as a player since maybe looking back to Latrobe? I've, I feel like I've grown a lot, you know, in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, I feel like it's been a big plus for me being able to be with the Steelers and the coaching staff that we have and, you know, the players that I'm around, um, like Dan, Chooks, Isaac, you know, those guys. You know, it's, it's really like... It helps me like play at a different level because these guys have been in the league for so long. Like playing next to Isaac, you know, you can't be a slouch because he, when he was in Philly, you know, it was always it was this way and that way. It was always set. So just being able to like play next to him and you know see how he goes about his day is a big plus for me. Two more. What's it, what's, what's it like playing next to Isaac when he's on the line? You know, he's a guy that seems he has a lot of experience. What's he talking to you like throughout a game, and how is he helping you? Play? You know, the crazy part about Isaac is like. He'll talk to you, but he won't overcomplicate things. So it's it's like he'll let you know what's going on, but he won't say too much to where you'll overthink. So that's what I like. Is he the kind of guy that when he says something, you take it seriously because he maybe doesn't? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and he's been doing it for so long. So you got to, you know, he knows what he's doing. Um, he won't tell you nothing wrong. So, you know, I just take it with a grain of salt um, and just try and continue to get be better. Deontay Johnson there first, Broderick Jones in the second half. Enjoy uh, both of those guys, those bi-week reflections, some thoughts about the upcoming challenge out in L.A. It'll be interesting to see what happens along that offensive line. Division of labor is um, there's some injury questions still lingering and some unknown. And then again, Deontay Johnson, he sounds like a guy who is ready to go and uh, fully prepared for the Rams this weekend, and that will be huge for the Steelers' offense as well, too. Wesley Euler with you here solo on the Blitz on a Thursday. You know where to get at me if you want to get involved. I'll take your tweets, your questions, your comments, your concerns, your reactions. Get at me on X at Wesley Euler. Our buddy Rod Dalla tweets Thursday Steelers trivia. Ooh, I like this. With five interceptions each in 2019, Minka Fitzpatrick and Joe Hayden posted the most by any Steelers player in a season since which star had seven in 2010? Oh, Rod, buddy. That would be one Troy, baby Jesus, Paula Malu, NFL Defensive Player of the Year with seven interceptions in 2010. Ooh, that takes me back, cousin. I was in college. 
I was rocking my 43 Troy jersey every Sunday. The Steelers had a great year. Made it to the Super Bowl. Made it to the Super Bowl. More tweets to get to as we roll along. We'll close out the first hour on the other side. We've still got stranger stats to get to. we still got to talk a little bit more about Kenny Pickett in this offense. Plenty going on here on a Thursday. It's the Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Final segment here, the first hour of the show, baby. It's the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Wesley Euler with you in here solo on a Thursday as we rock and as we roll across this week, finally getting close to the weekend. I'm excited. The bye week is always a little tough to navigate just because you don't have the typical uh, content calendar, right? It's very kind of easy to lay out this show during the regular season. You know, Mondays and Tuesdays, you react to what happened on Sunday. Then there's a Mike Tomlin press conference. You pull a couple things from that on Wednesday. You get the Wednesday practice report and some of the news of injuries and who's a full participant, who's limited, who missed practice, those kind of things. And then Thursday, Friday, you start turning the page to the upcoming opponent. Uh, It's a little thrown off during the bye week, obviously, but we are uh, looking forward to the Rams. Obviously, we will have a full slate of your Friday fix-ins tomorrow on the show. Motsi will be back here. We'll do Five Star Friday. We'll do Show Me the Money. We'll do the Here We Go song, all those things that you love on a Friday. But for now, take some tweets here. We've got some rolling in to close out the first say, uh, the first hour, pardon me, of the Steelers Blitz. Steeler Nation 920 tweets and says, if you could time travel and play any position in any game on any team, what would you pick? Oh, wow. Now, see, that, see, Tyler, that's a loaded question there because you could be talking Steeler specifics. You could be talking in general, period. Um... Jeez. I don't know. I'm assuming you mean something in a good way. Because immediately my mind travels to like, okay, what have been the most crushing losses of my life and how could I have gotten on the field and stopped them, right, and made a different outcome. But without playing God in that regard, I had two that really stood out to me. Um, The first, I mean, I would have loved to have been Santonio Holmes toe-tapping in the back of the end zone in Super Bowl Forty Three or even Debo going 100 yards down the field at the end of the first half in Super Bowl 43. Uh, I would love to be fast Willie Parker, breaking through the line of scrimmage behind Alan Fanica in Super Bowl 40 and running for the longest touchdown in NFL history. I would have loved to be Troy Polamalu in that game-sealing pick six in the AFC Championship game. I also, if we're going outside of Steeler land, would have loved to have been on that United States hockey team in 1980 that upset the Soviets, right? Be a part of a of the miracle on ice. So those are some of the first ones that came to mind. 
I mean, it would have been great to be on the Pirates in 1960, right? Game seven of the World Series, and you hit a walk-off home run against the New York Yankees. So, I mean, those those would have been some some pretty darn cool ones. Those are kind of the first ones at the forefront of my mind. Uh, Steeler Nation 920 also says you gave us our your QB list one to five earlier in the week. Now I need six to ten. Oh, geez, you guys are really putting me on the spot. Um, okay, so let's start from the top. And don't hold my feet to the fire on this, okay? I've had no time to prepare, much like when Moats did this to me the other day with my top five. So if I miss somebody, if I leave something out, just just don't hold my feet to the fire on this, okay? This is a rough draft. This is a first draft of my list. So one, I said Patrick Mahomes. Two, I said Josh Allen. I still went with Joe Burrow at three. I said two of four. And Lamar Jackson, five. I'll go Herbert, six. I'm tempted to throw Jared Goff in here. I think he's had a really strong start to the season. I'll go Herbert, six. Man, I'll go Jalen Hurts, seven. Matthew Stafford, nine. And then maybe Jared Goff, 10. CJ Stroud, 10. Kirk Cousins, 10. Trevor Lawrence, 10. Dak, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. I think, again, that's, that's just off the top of my head. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow. Tua, Lamar, Herbert. Maybe I'd switch Herbert and Lamar. Give me Hurt seven. Jeez, oh, man, this is tough. Give me Hurt seven. Give me Goff eight right now. Give me Stafford nine. Ooh, and then for 10, I'd take Kirk or Trevor or C.J. Stroud. That's tough, though. Don't hold my feet to that list. I'll probably rethink it before we get out of here in an hour's time. Uh, Steeler Nation 920 also wants to know deep fried Oreo or Reese's. Oh, buddy. Uh, For the versatility, I'll go Reese's. But for a one-time selection, I'll go deep-fried Oreo. Like, if if I could only have one for the rest of my life, you got to kind of be in the mood for a deep-fried dessert. And I love fried food. Don't get me wrong. But you still got to kind of be in the – I don't know if you could eat deep-fried dessert every single time for the rest of your life. I could eat a Reese's Cup every single time for the rest of my life. And then Tyler also wants to know what run style do I think will be best against the Rams, Jalen or Naj. It's a good question. I don't know if it's what run style is best against the Rams. I think more so. Listen, what, what's been nice for Jalen at this point is how teams have to respect him as a threat out of the backfield catching the ball. I think that's the biggest difference to this point. I'll also say, though, if the Steelers can replicate that physicality they got from the offensive line in the second half against Houston, then 22 is the answer. That's a tough one. It's a mixed bag for me. It really is. Because... The advantage, again, for for 30, for Jalen, is that they can't bring as many people down in the box because they respect him more out of the backfield as a pass-catching threat. 
the advantage for Najee is if your offensive line is playing physical and downhill like they were in that second half against the Texans, then Najee's your guy. Hopefully the answer is both against the Rams, and they both have themselves a fantastic outing. Wallace tweets, last one here before we go to break. If Wolf brings a box of donuts to the studio, which one do you select first, assuming assuming he leaves any? I think I've had this conversation with you guys on the show before, but I'm a classic donut guy. Now, don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean I don't like the fancy ones, but I'm always good with just a glazed or just a simple, like, light icing and some sprinkles. I'm a, as Mike Tomlin would say, I'm a fundamentalist when it comes to donuts. I'm kind of the same way with pizza, too. Like, my favorite pizza in the world is just a good cheese pizza with maybe a little crushed red pepper on it. I'm kind of the same way with donuts. I like the basics. If you do the basics well, that's the best. It doesn't need dressed up with a million different ingredients and creams and sauces and all that stuff. Just give me a good glazed donut, baby, and that's what really gets the people going. All right, one hour in the books. We got more tweets to get to. I'll promise you that we'll get to those in the second hour. We're going to do a little stranger stats. We're going to talk a little Kenny Pickett. It's all still on the board. You know where to get at me for hour number two if you want to get involved. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR.